If you would find in your Bibles Revelation chapter number 7, Revelation chapter number 7, we're turning here in our Bibles. The book of Revelation is a, uh, a fascinating book of Scripture, and it's one we avoid a lot. It has so much to do with the end of days, the uh, return of Christ, the rapture of the church, and it's a, a, a passage of Scripture that personally, uh, it's one that I sometimes would rather skip than study, uh, but I know that there's so much wonderful things we need to know about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, don't let the word revelation uh, scare you away. Uh, sometimes the folks say the word revelation, it's kind of like, ooh. And I'll just tell you, a word that is synonymous with revelation is the word apocalypse. And I haven't, you see the word apocalypse, the zombie apocalypse. People want to use the word apocalypse to describe some scary moment. But the bottom line is the word apocalypse literally means to unveil. Uh, to, to unveil. I just uh, apocalypsed my shirt pocket. Right there it is. I unveiled it. You can see it. Uh, and so, anyway, it's an unveiling. And we're talking about the revelation, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. It's the revealing, uh, the, un the unveiling of the final plan of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we come here, we find in the book of Revelation uh, three different parts. And the first part is a, uh, the emphasis on the things that are uh, the moment in which uh, we're living, the things that are, and then we're looking further into the things that shall be. And there's a transition that happens in uh, the end of the third chapter, and the church is gone. The, the church is taken away. Those folks who put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, as a lot of folks want to like to use the word, people like to use the word rapture, and I'm for that. There's a taking away of the church. The Lord Jesus returns for the saved folks who put their trust in Jesus as Savior, the Lord comes for the church, the saved, and he comes in the clouds uh, like a thief and takes the church away. And then, then left on earth is uh, folks who have rejected Jesus by faith as Savior. During that season, the folks who've rejected Christ, there will be no opportunity for them to be saved. But during the... Uh, during the uh, tribulation, that's what happens next, seven years of great tribulation, there'll be, uh, there'll be the wrath of, uh, and judgment fall on folks, and uh, Satan will ultimately uh, destroy himself. God will destroy the enemy, and the revelation, the tribulation is a difficult time. But during the tribulation, we're going to see God extend his grace and when we come to chapter number 7, we have this uh, an insight into God extending his grace to folks that they can be saved during the tribulation period. I'm personally convinced that if you reject a clear gospel message, you'll not have a chance to be saved. I think that there will be a blinding of your eyes. I don't think you'll understand. I don't think you'll be willing to humble yourself and receive Christ by faith as Savior. But there's multitudes of people who will both be born during the Great Tribulation. There are multitudes of people who have not heard a clear gospel presentation. Uh, and there will be great revival and multitudes of people who will be saved during the seven years of tribulation. 
And when we come to chapter number 7, we look in and see God once again extending his grace to a great mass of people. The first group is a group of Jews that will put their trust in Christ as Savior. And the second group is a massive number of Gentiles who put their trust in Jesus. They'll come through the tribulation, but they're going to find a grace and help from the Lord. And if you look with me at Revelation chapter 7, we begin in verse 1. The Bible says this, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now this is a fascinating three verses. We've got four angels holding... uh, things at the four corners of the earth and it's a fascinating thing and when we read these things we got to remember that the book of revelation is something that was signified signs there was signs given to uh john who wrote the book of revelation led by the spirit of god and he's describing these these signs symbols signified and when we look at these these things we see these pictures and it's the lord is using signs to describe something that we can't hardly we 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 don't have experience with. And so he says, here's what I want you to see, these angels, four corners of the wind. We've got the angels, the seal of the living God. We've got uh, uh, this, this moment, and you've got really the coming judgment. We turn the page from chapter 6 to chapter 7. The coming judgment, the, the four horsemen of the revelation have been revealed, and all the trouble that's getting ready to happen has been shown to us. We see the players in, that are going to play out in the revelation, in the tribulation, all the trouble that's about to come. And you see these angels, they've got power and authority over uh, certain things, and they're getting ready to begin this great tribulation. And then one of the angels says in verse 3, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And uh, this, uh, this idea of sealing the servants of God in their foreheads, uh, don't, don't get too crazy about the seal in their foreheads. But the bottom line is they're gonna, there's gonna be, uh, it's going to be clear who is the children of God and who is not. And these, uh, these that have been sealed, the servants of our God in their foreheads, this first group are the Jews. Verse 4, the Bible says, I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand and all, of all the tribes of the children of Israel, of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Aser uh, were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephthalim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zabulon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. You get the point. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. And verse number 9. After this I beheld. And lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen. 
blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be under our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That last phrase is the title of my message tonight. God shall wipe away all tears. God shall wipe away all tears. We find ourselves in chapter 7 in the great tribulation. And the key theme of the great tribulation is in fact great tribulation. There's great trouble and great grief. As we study the book of Revelation, we study through all the, the sections of the great tribulation. Chapter 6 through 9 is the first half, the first three and a half years of the seven years. Chapters 10 through 14 is the middle of the tribulation. Chapters 15 through 19 are the second half of the tribulation, the last three and a half years. And when we look at this tribulation from chapter 6 to chapter 19, we're going to study and see a lot of details about the tribulation. I'm just going to tell you something. The, uh, the details are rough and gruesome. And the penalty of sin, by the way, is rough and gruesome. The penalty of sin for living is very difficult. How many of you ever noticed that if you live a life that's sinful and wrong and wicked and you partake in things that God deems wrong, you're going to find out that that is a difficult life. But beyond that, we understand that there's a penalty for sin. And the end of sin, the Bible says, is death. And when we come here, we have masses of folks who are rejecting God, rejecting Jesus as Savior. And the Bible says there's going to be trouble and tribulation and penalty and punishment. for those. It's an unpopular message, but it's the reality of the Word of God that there's punishment for folks who reject Jesus. And so when we come here, we understand that there's going to be punishment, there's going to be the wrath of God, but I want you to know something. God in love is constantly and consistently extending His mercy and extending His grace to any person who will, in fact, humble themselves and accept him by faith as Savior. Over and over again through the scriptures, we watch God be long-suffering, patient, kind, and, and extending his grace and another opportunity to people to put their trust in him. I love the story of the oldest man in the Bible. Uh, the oldest man in the Bible, his name was Methuselah. Uh, Methuselah, you may have studied Methuselah. I want you to know that Methuselah was very old. I can't remember the exact number of years that he lived. 900 and some years. Who can tell me? 969 years. And he lived 969 years. He was the oldest man in the Bible. His name was interesting. Uh, his, he was, uh, was uh, going to, uh, uh, he was pre-Noah, pre-flood. And so Methuselah, when he was born, God spoke to his parents and said, I want you to name that boy Methuselah. And the reason I want you to name him Methuselah is because his name literally means, when he dies, it shall come. What's it? Well, the flood 
And God was going to destroy the entire earth in judgment because the whole world had gone become so wicked. He was going to do it with the flood. But what did God do? God said, I want to name this guy Methuselah. When he dies, it shall come. Do you know why Methuselah is the oldest person in the Bible? Because year after year after year after year, time after time, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He preached faith in God, faith in the Lord. And Noah preached righteousness. But year after year after year, folks rejected God. But God extended his mercy 969 years until finally judgment came. Methuselah died. God extends his grace. And even into the tribulation period, I want you to know something, God is extending his grace. The first group that God is going to extend his grace to is the Jews, Jerusalem. And the Jewish people are going to be saved. But we've got this group of 144,000 Jews that are going to put their trust in the Lord. And they're going to be used of God for his glory. We see these angels, they're getting ready to bring down judgment in verses 1 and 2. But in verse number 3, one of the angels speaks up, Hurt not the earth until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Verse 4 the Bible says, and I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there, there were sealed an hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, we have 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel. And the Bible in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 tells us of what tribes they come from. It's a fascinating study, and I don't have all the answers. But the tribes are a little bit different. There's 12 tribes mentioned here. Dan and Ephraim are, meant, are, are missing. Joseph is added in a, little bit, in a little different twist of things. But the bottom line is there's 144,000 Jews who are going to take the seal of the servants of God in their foreheads and God is going to use them in a mighty way. It doesn't say very specifically that these 144,000 Jews are going to be evangelists but we have to believe and we, we, we lean to believing that God is going to use these Jews in the great tribulation to preach the gospel. There's going to be angels preaching the gospel from heaven. Uh, there's, going to be, uh, there's going to be these 144,000 uh, Jewish evangelists preaching the gospel. And there's going to be a multitude of people that get saved. I want you to understand something. God is in the saving business. And God is a God of great mercy. Now look, you and I are all sinners. If you'll listen for God's voice, first you'll see God in all of creation. You'll see that the complexities of all that is, this is not some cosmic chance. The world and all that the world is is not the result of some cosmic chance. As a matter of fact, God has put in the hearts of all men this idea and yearning to know that they have a creator. Now look, if you look and see the complexities of life, it takes such great faith to believe that out of nothing came everything. But I believe that God, according to his word, God created the heavens and the earth. Do I understand all there is to know about that? No. But I believe and I've got faith. I've got more faith in the fact that God created the heavens and the earth than out of nothing came everything. And through millions and billions and gazillions of years, we formed into what we are. It's an amazing thing. I believe God created the heavens and the earth. And God in his mercy has given us opportunities time and time again to trust him. Now we see God in creation and we understand that God is faithful and we trust him. We've got to believe him. 
And we see here that God is extending his mercy again and again to people, even in the great tribulation. He's given them an opportunity. And there's 144,000 Jews that are going to be uh, put their trust in Christ. They're going to be used of God to win the lost to Christ. So we see here in verse number 9, we've got 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes equals 144,000. And the Bible says in verse number 9, after this, there's a change of pace. We're moving from 144,000 Jews now to a numberless group of Gentiles. After this, verse number 9, after this I beheld... And lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now, the next thing John sees, he says, he says, I'm before the throne. I'm in heaven. In the throne, this is the throne room of God. We're in heaven. He says, I'm in heaven. He says, I'm looking into heaven. And this is what God showed me. He said, I saw a great multitude of people, a number that people could not that could not be numbered, and they're from all nations. They're not just from the twelve tribes. They're not just Jews, but they're from all nations. They're from all kindreds. They're from all people. They're from all tongues. I'm so thankful that I serve a God who loves all people. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah! I think that's wonderful. He says, as a group, all nations, all kindreds, all people, all tongues, they stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. White robes are a sign of victory. Palms are a sign of victory. And, uh, and they, they have won great victory. When we look at this scene, we see this massive multitude of people in heaven and then the Bible is going to give us some clarity about what they are. The Bible says, verse number 10, this group of, of victorious folks clothed in white robes of every kindred, tongue, and people. The Bible says they cry, cried with a, a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. They're giving praise and glory to the Lord Jesus. Verse number 11, And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. This is great. The angels are worshiping, the God, of worshiping God. This great multitude of saved people are worshiping God. And the Bible says, verse 12, they're saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? One of the elders says to John, who and what are these? Where did they come from? And John says, sir, thou knowest. He said, I don't know. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who are these, this great massive multitude of people that no man can number? These are folks who were saved during the tribulation. These have come out of great tribulation. I'm excited to know that in the midst of God's judgment and wrath on the world in the great tribulation, His grace is, is extended to anyone who will put their trust and faith in Him. It's wonderful. These are they which came out of great tribulation. Now look, they've been through a rough patch. They've been through a rough season. We're getting ready to study some of the things that they're going to go, go through, the things that they, that they would have been through in this moment. These are they which came out of great tribulation. But look what it says. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What is it that saves 
the lost during the tribulation. The blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. He was buried. Three days later, he arose from the dead and ascended into heaven, prepared a place for us. How do the tribulation saints get saved through the blood of the Lamb? How do you and I have, get saved? We get saved by putting our trust in the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. His blood covers our sin debt. These tribulation saints are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 15, Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. That's kind of fascinating to hear this verse, verse number 16. He says, look, they shall hunger no more. Let me tell you, during the tribulation, there's going to be starvation. They shall thirst no more. There's going to be great thirst. There's going to be the sun shining unbearably on folks during the great tribulation. And the heat. He says, they're not going to suffer like that anymore. Why? Verse number 70, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. What's going to happen? God is going to make all things right. Now, this is a beautiful picture. So you've got these tribulation saints, these folks who have gotten saved. They're probably the result of the witness of the 144,000. There's a multitude that can't be numbered that's going to be saved all over the world from all tribes, all people, all skin colors. Every, every, everywhere there's going to be people and opportunity for people to be saved. This massive group of people are going to be saved. There's going to be trouble and difficulty during the tribulation. But God says, I want you to know something. Those folks who put their trust in me, though there's difficulty and trouble during the life they lead, the specific folks we're talking about, the life they lead is the tribulation period, seven years. They said, I want you to know something. There's coming great victory. There's coming great victory. And because they're led by the Lamb, they will not have to deal with this anymore. And he says, God shall wipe away all their tears. I'm thankful for that. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You know, I'm thankful that there's going to be multitudes of people saved during the tribulation. But when I read this passage of Scripture, I'm so reminded of the moment in which we live. Folks, life isn't easy. We know that. And we know sin has caused great problems and difficulties in our world. But I want you to understand, if you put your trust in Jesus, though we may endure trouble and difficulty for a season folks we have the great promise of eternal life through faith in christ with jesus it's a sweet thing i'm thankful to know not only is god going to wipe all the tears away from our the tribulation saints eyes god shall wipe away all of our tears there's coming a time where we won't have to deal with these troubles any longer we'll be in glory in heaven forever eternity is sweet you see if we're honest with ourselves, we can't help but think at times that perhaps there's something more to life than just life. The truth is there is. God has created us in his own image. We're eternal. In our hearts, we have conviction of sin. I remember when the Lord was really dealing with me about giving my heart and life to him and being saved. I remember how guilty I felt about sin. I, I remember just having great conviction. I thought, my lands, I'm so dirty. I'm such a sinner. 
What in the world would cause somebody to feel the guilt of sin? I don't even know. There's people who feel the guilt of sin who've never sat and heard some uh, country preacher say, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of people that he loves, letting them know, hey, you are a sinner. And your sin has a penalty. The Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death. Now look, it's real. Our sin condemns us. Now, do you wonder why in the world does God put in my heart this, this, this real guilt of sin? I'll tell you why God puts in your heart this real guilt of sin. It's because you're a sinner and your sin has a penalty. And Jesus wants to save you from the penalty of your sin. Sin. Now, the tribulation saints we're talking about in Revelation 7, they're going to feel the guilt of sin. And they're going to put their trust in Jesus. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all sin and all men in all ages and time. And folks, we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus. We've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. You see, it's an amazing thing that happens when you repent that you are a sinner. You acknowledge that you're a sinner. When you turn to Jesus, when you acknowledge that you're a sinner, your sin, you, you acknowledge you're a sinner, you ask Jesus to come into your heart, forgive your sins. Do you know what happens? God does a miraculous work in your heart. He saves you from the penalty of your sin. You put your trust in Christ and you can be saved. It's a sweet thing to know when you've put your trust in Jesus that when this life is over, eternity awaits. God's prepared for us a place. God is faithful. Sometimes I think about heaven and the world has given us the wrong idea about heaven. Have you ever thought about heaven and you see little fat babies floating around on clouds playing harps? I'm just going to tell you something. That don't sound fun to me at all. At all. But I'll tell you something I do like. I really do love living. And I, I know that this world is, uh, is sin-cursed. And But I'm telling you, God is been very gracious to us and life is good in so many ways we have troubles and trials and burdens to be born and life is short but but there's so much wonderful things to enjoy in life and i want you to know something god is prepared for eternity he's prepared something for us that's better than life do you remember that and you trust him if god did such a good Thing and gave us so much to enjoy here on earth. Just imagine what God has prepared for all of eternity. I'm just going to tell you something. You're going to like it. You're going to like it a lot. And we need to put our trust in Jesus. You see, the Lord says, he says, I want you to know something, the tribulation saints. I want you to know something, the 144,000 Jews. I want you to know folks who are going to suffer and suffer persecution and trouble and tribulation. I want you to know something. It won't last for long. And when the battle's over, there's going to be great victory. And God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. I'm encouraged by that. I'm thankful that God is a God of grace. Perhaps you're here and you've never been saved. You have questions about your salvation. Oh, I'm praying the Lord will do a great work in your heart. I pray you'll realize that I'm a sinner that Jesus paid the price for your sins on the cross of Calvary, that you'll pray and trust Christ by faith as your Savior. Oh, what a great God we serve. We praise Him.
I'm thankful that he's extended his mercy. And he says that he will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Let's pray.